morning from Sleepless in Dubai. So we're live here from 25 Hours Hotel and my name is Julie Mallon. I'm the founder of Nurture to Sleep. And just one funny little factor here, 25 hours is what children are born with when they first arrive in this world. They arrive on a 25 hour clock. Now, I'd like to introduce my co-host, Yes, my name is Laura Buckwell, your co-host uh, for the next uh, for the next couple of seasons, I'm hoping. And uh, yes, I am a an international event MC. I'm a broadcast journalist and former news anchor, and most importantly, a mother of two who uh, test me at times when it comes to my uh, my my sleeping habits, all the sleep deprivation that goes with motherhood. And I'm absolutely delighted. I'm thrilled to introduce our first ever guest on Sleepless in Dubai, the fantastic Dr. Metat. He is the medical director and pediatrician, the head pediatrician at Mypedia Clinic. Thank you so much, Laura, and it gives me great pleasure to be here, you know, with both of you. Now, we go quite a way back, Dr. Metat, because I was hosting a pediatric conference, and of course, Dr. Metat was our headline speaker. And we sort of connected from there. Dr. Medhat has been my kid's pediatrician for the last sort of nine years. You diagnosed my daughter's tongue and lip tie. I mean, you've been absolutely incredible. So it really is fantastic to have you. Thank you so much, Laura. And this means a lot to me, really. So why don't we start off with your personal journey? Where did it all start? How did you get into pediatrics? Uh, very interesting. It has been an amazing journey. I would call it now a sleepless in the USA. <laughs> It's really lots of sleepless nights, but it's um, really rewarding. Uh, What um, made me go into medical school really that I was, um, um, my own pediatrician inspired me to become a doctor and specifically to become a pediatrician like him. He was an amazing pediatrician and uh, had very good relationship with uh, my family. And uh, this inspiration didn't stop as a child, uh, believe it or not. In medical school, he was my professor too. Isn't that incredible? Wow. This is, yeah, it was amazing. So that's how, yeah, that's how I uh, really was inspired to become, uh, I really really looked up to him. Uh, He was amazing, you know, amazing. uh, So important to have a figurehead like that when you get into any sort of, Exactly. role or position to look up someone. Which is I, I truly feel that uh, for any child... So that's a really helpful segue in terms of influence of children. So how do you um, overall help parents understand the importance of sleep, both to their emotional well-being, but also to a child's physical well-being? Absolutely. Uh, Julie, you cannot overstate the role of the pediatrician uh, in this uh, case. Uh, the pediatrician would play a big role in guiding the parents and advising them about uh, the proper uh, sleep. Now, when we talk about sleep in uh, infants and children, Julie, as you know, we talk about uh, quantity and quality. So this is very important. Mm -hmm. And uh, we emphasize to the parents that lack of sleep can really affect the children physically and mentally. So um, if a child is sleep deprived for any reason, it really would affect their cognitive function. Uh, It will affect them emotionally. It will affect them physically. 
so this is uh, extremely important. This is, I, I feel like, uh, like good nutrition, like, uh, you know, to be well hydrated, uh, like to eat uh, good meals, you know, for their body. Uh, sleep is extremely important to have and good it, quality sleep. It's like I actually say to some of my parents, we don't give our children junk food, so why mm. would we give them junk sleep? Which exactly. is what so many children are getting now. So, no, I, I again think that is really vital. I mean, the same could be say could be said for adults, right? Mm. You know, you know, bad communication, any type of sleep deprivation can affect anyone in any way. But is it a lot more severe with children then? Uh, it is more severe because they are like a sponge. This is the age where they want to acquire information and they want to be able to concentrate, have good attention span, all this. Uh, when we say cognitive functions that get affected by lack of sleep, uh, cognitive function is the mental process for a child to acquire knowledge and process the information and to concentrate and have good attention span and good memory and to to to, to do well in school and uh, academically to, to be well. So all this we deprive the child from by with lack of sleep. Indirectly, the parents will also be affected. If their child is not sleeping well, they go into stages. The first stage will be stress and worry about their child is not sleeping and waking up at night and coming to the room and resisting sleep, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, then it will start to affect them. The lack of sleep itself will really affect uh, their, you know, they won't be able to concentrate, they won't be able to focus. When they go to work, their productivity will be affected, uh, their career, may be affected if this is a long term. Then it can affect their really marital status. Their, uh, uh, the, you know, yeah, it really will this. affect I, them. I see this on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like I'm giving permission to the parents to say, you need your rest too. Mm -hmm. And it's also about reminding them that this is not being a selfish parent. You know, there's a reason why we have the analogy of the mask. Put the mask on yourself and then you can take care of your children. And that's so true in all elements of our parenting. But I remind them that, you know, driving is dangerous. And if their cognitive function as a parent is impaired, their reaction time, so it's almost like I'm giving them permission to get back some of their sleep. So, you know, everything that you've included here is such an important part to the family, not just to our children. So again, just moving on a little bit, what would be a typical sleep issue but medical re uh, related because we do need to make it quite separate we have medical mm -hmm. issues for sleep and we have behavioral issues for sleep yeah julie there are so many issues uh, medical issues that can uh, cause a baby or a child not to sleep well starting with a newborn even and the parents don't realize that a blocked nose can really disturb the baby's sleep and uh, you know so i always advise the parents to uh, really clean the baby's nose with saline before sleeping so that the baby will be able to breathe well through the nose and you know sleep better uh, sometimes believe it or not if the baby has a tongue tie they are crying for so many reasons because they couldn't feed well yes they are yes. hungry 
they swallow lots of air, they are bloated, they have, uh, you know, colic, it gives them also uh, causing uh, reflux, you just by having a tongue tie. As they get older, if they have severe allergy in their nose, if they have large adenoids, if they have large tonsils, their sleep will be disturbed, they may be snoring, They're, they may be having sleep apnea. Um, there is, for example, a condition that's called uh, restless uh, leg syndrome, yeah, yeah. that it has a genetic component at, and they feel like uh, their legs feel really strange as if something is crawling on them or itching. So they keep, they need to keep moving their legs all the time. So imagine a child who has to keep moving his legs yeah. at the night all the time. What kind of sleep uh, quality they have? And I think, again, it's about changing the narrative mm -hmm. in that Babies don't sleep all the time. Mm -hmm. Babies aren't supposed to eat and sleep mm -hmm. because when that happens, parents are really, really completely taken off guard. But again, it's about, as you say, the, the sleep quality. And, you know, even looking at the sleep apnea, if, if you look at the literature, there is such a huge variation. You know, some studies is approximately 2% of the population, children's population. Other studies are saying 12%. But certainly my experience, and I'd love to know your experience, my experience is I can see that there is an increase of sleep apnea. But I also, my experience has been, it's a really good quick fix in that, I mean, I can think of a number of children, but one child in particular, I'd done the sleep work with this child um, when she was um, 18 months old and her sleep was all sorted and she was sleeping beautifully, quality and quantity. The parents came back to me when she was three and they said, Julie, something's, it's just awful. It's just awful. It's all gone horribly wrong. Mm -hmm. So we went, I had a consultation, and then we started the sleep work, but the child's behavior, and I just said, stop. There is something wrong here. This is not sleep. Mm -hmm. This is not behavior related. Mm -hmm. And it's just the parents were so in their fog and so sleep deprived, they couldn't actually see what was wrong. So I said, please go and get her checked out by your pediatrician mm -hmm. because maybe her tonsils and adenoids are the culprit. She went to the doctor, even though she had them checked one year before and they were completely fine. But of course, in a child, that's a long time. Um, the doctor said that they were, the, the pediatrician said they were the largest adenoids and tonsils that he'd mm -hmm. seen in about five years. Mm -hmm. well, she went, was operated within 48 hours. This child's sleep was back to being this fantastic sleeper that she was. So it is exactly as you're saying mm -hmm. about identifying and helping parents realize that it isn't just that the child is not a good sleeper or, you know, I was never a good sleeper, so I got that with my children. It's not that at mm -hmm. all. And again, you know, when we have a sleep-deprived child, these symptoms, if you like, mimic a child with ADHD. Mm -hmm. So it's, again, just having that awareness and you are the best person to help the parents know what it looks like. Yeah, absolutely. As a pediatrician, we have a, a big role in this and um, we should work as a team. Like before I refer uh, someone for you to help them with yes. the sleep, it's my duty yes. to make sure they are not suffering from any medical reason that we should be correcting, you yeah. know. Um, that brought to my memory, really, when I was practicing uh, Laura in the U.S., I had a child. He was 10 years old. 
came to me uh, with persistent cough nonstop for two weeks, nonstop, day and night. So of course, he didn't sleep at all. He's having persistent cough. He was seen by other uh, doctors before, pediatricians, and everyone concentrated on his chest while he's coughing. He had x-rays, he had uh, CT scans, he had, and he couldn't find any reason. When he came to me and I checked him, I found out, you will be surprised, because of his persistent cough for two weeks, I found that after he had a haircut, hair went inside his ear and was lying on his eardrum. Oh my and goodness. Having anything irritating the eardrum will cause through, you know, a reflex cough. Yeah. So when this hair was removed, he became a different person. That's unbelievable. The, immediately the cough uh, stopped and his sleep was back to normal. So again, the sleep is affected by so many things in our uh, life. Yeah. You know, uh, it's, it's important to, for the pediatrician to take a very good history and to do a thorough physical exam to be able to reach, you know, the cause why this child, it could be something silly, it could be something serious, but we should uh, try to help as part of the team why the child is not sleeping well. But that's the most unusual mm -hmm. scenario. I mean, you very cleverly diagnosed mm -hmm. my daughter's tongue and lip tie, mm -hmm. which, you know, we had no idea. She wasn't latching properly. The sleep issues were mm -hmm. there. I mean, all the signs were there and you knew immediately, of mm -hmm. course. But um, yeah, I'm a bit guilty of, you know, being a bit selfish with my sleep. So if my daughter, who's now five, comes into the bedroom, for example, at five o'clock in the morning, then we just let her in. And if it's another hour in bed and we all get another hour of sleep, you know, obviously this isn't a medical issue, but in terms of, you know, getting sleep while the baby sleeps and, you know, being on form and things like that as a mother and as, as a parent, you sort of do what you, what you have to do. But that's another sort of conversation entirely, of course. It is. And again, that's very much about behavioural, but it's also due to the fact that um, if it's working for you, then it's working for you. If it's only when you feel that there's an issue that's when you can, that's when you're able to make the changes because, you know, sleep learning is hard. We think that sleep is intuitive, but it's not. It's a learned behavior. And therefore, it is going through that. You have to be committed and it's recognizing that sleep needs to be worked at. You know, if it was that easy, why is there one third of the world not sleeping? So, um, but again, you reminded me of something as well. You know, one of the um, one of the driving forces within my practice is making sure that I remain as current and evidence based as normal, or as much as I can, rather. Mm -hmm. And for example, you know, I went to um, at great cost, but it's one of the to Paris to a sleep conference, a pediatric mm -hmm. sleep conference, mm -hmm. and that's where I, you know, again was presented with all this really compelling evidence how if a child is anemic that is going to have a profound impact on their sleep. So the reason for doing that is to make sure, just like you, like any good professional, that I don't go beyond my scope of practice, which is really important. Mm -hmm. And that, again, is where I would absolutely hand it over to you being the medical practitioner and being a professional. This is a medical issue, but it's all of these things that parents are unaware of that can cause issues with our children's sleep. 
Taiwan Mirabel, passion fuels global connections. For more than 30 years, our international team has launched campaigns across continents through targeted marketing strategies, captivating promotions, and innovative media solutions tailored to brands ranging from fashion to travel and tourism to health and well-being, and so much more. Let our cross-cultural experience engage your audiences. Discover the Mirabel difference at mirabel.co.uk. Absolutely. Well said, uh, Julie. Uh, and I want to emphasize on this that iron deficiency, vitamin D deficiency, nutritional deficiencies, uh, some vitamin deficiencies, mm-hmm. uh, they can really affect the sleep and well, the general do. health. A direct correlation. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. direct correlation. Right. So what would you say would be some of the misconceptions that parents come into the clinic with regarding their children's sleep? Yeah, there are a few misconceptions when it comes to sleep. One of them, uh, they assume that if the child uh, snores at night, that he is having a nice deep sleep. Yes. So snoring is part of a deep sleep, like his father. (laughs) (laughs) So, but no, snoring is not a normal thing. We need to know why the child is snoring. And uh, again, it could be severe nasal allergy, it could be large adenoids, it could be large tonsils, and the snoring uh, most of the time is associated with sleep apnea, so the child not only not sleeping well, but not getting enough oxygen, he is sleepy during the day, he's having lack of concentration, cannot focus, cannot memorize things, cannot uh, retain information, bad grades, and we go into this cycle uh, and sorry laura then i was just thinking that we we do know all of this and you know we will talk about this is what happens but the reality is very different again in that you know we're looking at poor sleep and the impact of poor sleep and particularly on our pre-verbal children mm-hmm. and the studies are really really conclusive mm-hmm. Um, you know, there was a study in uh, 2020, there was a study in 2017, and there was a study in 22 looking at the impact of poor sleep on children's language, their speech and language. Mm-hmm. And just like you said, cognitive function. I have had children who um, are seeing speech and language therapists because there's been a delay in their speech and language. Mm-hmm. And when they their sleep is back on track, improving the quality, exactly what you're saying about memory consolidation. Mm-hmm. They actually reduce the amount of uh, visits to the speech and language because the child's speech and language actually does develop. Yeah. So it is about helping parents understand the importance of sleep to their overall health. I just yeah. find the whole concept of sleep with children, which I had no idea becoming a mother, you know, you, you, your, your kids sort of, you know, learn to crawl on their own. They, they want to eat on their own. Like, it's just sort of like a normal instinct. You have no idea as a mother that you actually have to teach your children how to sleep. You just think it's going to be this. But we, they, they don't do those things on their own. We support them all the way. Yeah. So, for example, these are really important building blocks of development. And so when they're learning to sit up, for example, around six months, you know, they don't just sit up. We hold them in the sitting position, we get pillows and put them to support them. And that happens over time. Even if you go back further with learning to roll, you know, that's what I would describe as a a struggle. And when they're learning to sit up, that's a struggle. When they're learning to crawl, it's a struggle. It's not a suffering and we support them in that learning. 
And we're just doing the same with sleep. We're supporting them in their learning of, you know, and one of the things that would support them in their learning would, the typical thing would be putting a routine in place. Right. You know, that would be supporting their learning. Um, but yeah, it is. It's absolutely a learned behaviour. And, and I do think, you know, sleep is such a new science, isn't it? Absolutely. It's such a new yeah. science. It's only really in the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the dichotomy of, or the irony of technology. Technology is the big bad monster in mm-hmm. sleep. There's no question mm-hmm. of it. And yet, it's given us such an insight into the developing brain, which is really exciting. So how do you, um, see, I'm getting very animated talking about sleep, but how do you um, how do you keep up to date with research in terms of children's sleep now? Because the evidence is changing all the time at such a, a fast pace. Yeah, as you mentioned, Julie, the, the um, technology uh, is really affecting the children. Yeah affecting so many things, including the sleep. With these devices, electronic devices, iPhone, iPad, that they are hooked to it. And the parents are losing control, especially after the COVID years. They really, the parents lost control of, uh, you know, this issue. Uh, So the, the children are being exposed for longer than they should with these devices, uh, including some games, aggressive games where they have shooting and stuff like that. So imagine if a child is watching a game like this and participating in a game like this and shooting and killing, you know, uh, people in this game and his adrenaline level is too high, how is he going to sleep? That's one thing. Plus, the blue light from these devices also will decrease the production of melatonin. So it will really also affect, you know, their sleep. So I think the technology is really uh, is an obstacle for a good sleep, you know, for children and for adults, by the way. Well, you gave us that incredible example. Um of the hair on the eardrum mm-hmm. and how, you know, mm-hmm. various sort of different issues mm-hmm. affect sleep and things. Is it uh, very common for most children that come into your practice? Is it mostly related to sleep or what, what sort of percentage is that? Uh, good question, Laura. It's very difficult to put a percentage for it. Uh, to be honest with you, uh, most of the illnesses that the children come uh, for me to, uh, you know, to check them for, uh, it, they do cause uh, sleep disturbances and sleep deprivation. For example, uh, you know, the nose with no nasal allergy, their nose is blocked at night, you know, until we treat them. They cannot breathe, they cannot sleep. Mm-hmm. Their uh, asthma, their chest allergy, they keep coughing a lot, you know, if they are not yeah. treated properly. And if someone is coughing a lot at night, they won't be able to sleep. Uh, so there are so many, uh, you know, things like ear infection, it causes pain, you know, that, you know, makes them also not sleep well, any gastrointestinal problem, if they have uh, gastroenteritis, if they have uh, uh, any kind of allergy, gluten allergy, they are uh, bloated, anything like that. Yeah. So most of the illnesses in children will really disturb their sleep. Uh, and you look at the, the Dubai weather at the moment and the dust particles, especially exactly. this time of year. I mean, my daughter at the moment is always coughing, her nose blocked On as well. On a daily so. basis, I see so many children lately with their nose blocked and coughing a lot. Yeah, you know? yeah, it is. It's, uh, it's, yeah. 
it, it's something that we all as parents here in Dubai, mm. obviously not me now anymore with my mm. adult children, but that you, I see on a daily basis, as you say, about navigating that and what can you do in a practical way. But just, so what would you say as a paediatrician if some parents came to you and um, what would be some personal tips or some tips around sleep to a parent whose child is suffering or is not sleeping very well? Yeah, you know, the, the main thing, you know, I would advise parents if their kid is not sleeping well, to make sure uh, to see their pediatrician and have, you know, the pediatrician to take very good history and to do a good physical exam and make sure to rule out any medical reasons for this. Yes. Then also to guide the parents. Uh, the parents should be consistent. Consistency is very important. You cannot uh, tell the child one night to do something and then the next night something different or one parent is saying something and the other parent is, uh, you know, saying the opposite. You know, it has that most parents has to be, they have to be uh, on the same page. Yeah. Uh, they have, we can guide them to have uh, good sleep habits, guiding them what's the best uh, sleep environment for the child. I see, for example, they come to me sometimes and they say the baby is not sleeping well at all and crying and not sleeping well. And I see uh, the baby coming wrapped in so many blankets yeah. in so, and they are afraid of having the AC, uh, the room cool because they are afraid. It depends on the culture, yes. afraid that the child will get sick. So the baby is overheated, you know, so that's one of the reasons that, you know, we can guide them, we can tell them. So there are so many reasons that the pediatrician can guide the family about what's a comfortable temperature for the room, don't overdress the baby, make sure the nose is clear so that he can breathe well, don't overfeed the baby, that also does the opposite, you know, mm. uh, you know, the sleep. So and education so forth. here, Absolutely. education is so critical. And I really want to advise uh, the parents and pediatricians. We reach a level that we are not expert enough in helping the families. So that will, you know, uh, where the role of a sleep therapist like you, Julie, will come, you know, uh, in place. And after we make sure we rule all medical reasons, we advise the parents and nothing is working, then, you know, we can refer to uh, sleep. Because, I mean, we've got both of you here, both of you do very different mm. things, but within the same sort of yeah. bracket. Mm. So obviously you have to go to the pediatrician first, make sure nothing's wrong mm. sort of medically, mm. and then go for the behavioral routine sort of direction. And again, just picking up on something that you, a couple of things that you were saying about the impact of the screen. Mm -hmm. So I was working with a little girl who is 10 and it was so interesting. If she watched the television 30 minutes before mm -hmm. the time that we had agreed mm -hmm. or 30 minutes later, that just that 30 minutes mm -hmm. impacted her entire night's sleep. So it's about helping parents recognize that every child is very different in terms of their light sensitive, uh, sensitivity. So with some children, it doesn't, it wouldn't appear to impact their sleep. So mm. it's about really looking at your child as well. But certainly all the guidelines are when it comes to sleep, that our child, you know, before the age of 11, mm -hmm. for example, mm -hmm. the guidelines are that our children shouldn't be looking at the screen up to two hours before bedtime. Is that right? Two, two hours? hours. Wow. Because, and it's because of the neural electrical activity that 
as you say, suppresses the melatonin and literally throws the melatonin off for the entire night. So it's not just at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Wow. So, yeah. Like that, I didn't know that yeah. two hours. Yeah. Wow. The same thing, Laura, with caffeine. You can have uh, people, if they have uh, coffee or so after, let's say, 5 p.m., it can affect their sleep. And others will have a big mug of coffee and then say good night and fall asleep. That's my husband. Yeah. So, you just yeah. so, you see, so each one is different, as Julie uh, said. You know, you cannot have rule for everyone, no. not the same rule. Exactly. Uh, we are running out of time, very sadly. So I just wanted to ask you a personal question, as we will do with all of our guests, of course. What to you is the formula for the best night's sleep? Is there a sort of routine? What to you equates to the perfect night's sleep? Uh, I'm one of those, Laura, who doesn't have the caffeine after 5 p.m. I'd rather have uh, herbal tea, specifically chamomile tea, before I go to bed. It nice. really helps me a lot. And again, it depends on how you wake up. I will know when I wake up if I had a very good sleep or not. So if I feel fresh, energetic, I know that I had probably a good eight hours sleep with a good quality of sleep. Eight hours is the mission. I, I was telling you earlier, I literally come in from a flight, I've had, literally looked at my Fitbit. And no, it's, please don't. It's one hour, 50 minutes of sleep last night, people. So that's, <laughs> why, yeah, that's I, why we call this sleepless in the way. Exactly. <laughs> and I, you know what, I do feel a bit delirious. Like I'm hitting that sort of edge now. But yeah, it does, it affects you so much, Absolutely. doesn't it? But you're going to have an early night tonight. Yeah. And you're going to recover and repair as much as you can. Again, with all the research, we know that you can't get back that lost sleep. No. But you're going to have an early night tonight. And it affects your immunity. That's what I worry about most. It's like, oh my God, am I going to be sick sort of in, in three days' time? So it sort of catches up. Not if you go to sleep tonight early. Please. And Laura, if you cannot sleep well tonight, you have Julie's number. Exactly. I'll be, uh, I'll be calling you for sure. <laughs> We'd like to say a huge thank you to you. Sure, thank you. And, it was um, really my pleasure. Really. And, you know, I enjoyed it. I'm weeded too, and I hope you can really feel that. But what we're wanting to do is to educate as many people around the importance of sleep, but equally not to be too nervous about it and be anxious about it. Because if it, if you don't get your sleep tonight, you've got another day tomorrow. Mm -hmm. That's not mm -hmm. what we're saying here. We're wanting to improve the quality for you to be your best self, get your best sleep. And if you can't, there's definitely things we can do about it. Absolutely. Thank you. Always an amazing pleasure to have you. Thank you. And uh, yes, my pedic clinic is the place to go if you want to go see Dr. Metat, who is an absolute legend in the field. So thank so you so much. much. And so to end all things sleep, just remember, recharge, reset, and you'll conquer the world.